The Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS, brought to you by Mortgage CS. Become a Mortgage CS Ricky VIP at mortgagecs.com slash Ricky Briggs Auction, the official auction of the Ricky, briggsauction.com. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, a huge day, enormous, the biggest Sixers news possible is Montrez Harrell opts out of his contract and will sign a new one <laughs> with the Sixers. No, no Montrez Harrell. I get, didn't believe it was possible. Also, Bradley Beal picks the Suns over the Sixers. Looks even more like James Harden is returning, and I think I want him even less. We're going to talk about draft prospects and do some YouTube scouting with me and Mike. Mike, real scouting me, YouTube scouting, even though the Sixers don't have a pick as of now. Lou Williams retires and Jonah Bolden has returned. That's right. I did mention kinetic skateboarding. Ooh, boy. You know, I'm going to talk about Ricky X, the 10th anniversary, but they are going to have some stuff. They have the t-shirt, they have the stickers, they have the print, all that. But before then, you need some new stuff for the summer. You need some new shorts. You need some new sneakers. You got to look fresh. Need some new t-shirts. Kinetic skateboarding is where you got to outfit yourself especially the sneakers, you're going to see stuff there that you are not going to see anywhere else. Limited edition shit, limited edition Vans, Converse, Nike, New Balance, all that shit. Go to kineticskateboarding.com and use code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Speaking of the 10-year anniversary, coming up in July, Ricky X, the 10-year anniversary of the Ricky, if you can believe it. We will have a special show July 12th with a couple of guests lined up for that, perhaps even more, some reminiscing. We will have what I believe is the greatest shirt Tanner has ever done, which I finally saw today, a long sleeve, which we've never done before. Abby did a print that we will sell and uh, some stickers as well. Of course, she did like two of the stickers are fucking CJ stickers. I don't know what Abby's problem is with CJ. It's enough. He's just the producer. He doesn't even talk on the pod. Anyway, that's all coming. Ricky X coming up in July. 10 years. Can't believe it. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who would never opt out of his player option, even if it was slightly less than the vet minimum. That would be one Mike Levin. What a great thing to wake up to. Unbelievable, I feel right? like Montrez Harrell seems like a good guy. Love that he got caught with the most weed anyone ever has gotten caught with. <laughs> That's fine. 
That's great. He was just so bad with this team. He was so, so bad. And I don't blame him so much. No. Just, just as fault. I don't. It's a li- I mean, it's a, it's a little bit his fault. Well, he's him. He cannot be him. But he was better earlier in his career. And he yeah. got worse. He just and he aged. This was a big. Really this the the how far he fell off was surprising to give the Sixers a little bit of uh, grace in their uh, in their decision to sign him to a a minimum deal with a player option that he thankfully declined. But like, man, they just keep signing old bad players <laughs> after they're good in hopes that like, hey, this is a good a good value deal. At this price, it is for crazy. this guy who Chet used to be good. Twenty nine, though, and then they just got—they always get so bad. And then Doc, who is no longer here, yep, playing golf, looking for a job. He's determined to get a job. Guy yeah. can't refuses to just relax, but will just not face facts and face reality and see that the guy he heard about seven years ago is not as good as the guy who's a little bit weird, has a 50-inch vertical, and is thrilling on a podcast stage in Philadelphia. And that's B-Ball Paul. So it just feels like over and over again, they're just going to keep doing that. And I wonder if that's going to happen with Nurse. I wonder who the Montrez replacement will be if they even... If, if Daryl even gives Nick Nurse the option to play someone over B-Ball Paul if he resigns him... All that stuff. So it's it's. I'm so glad he's gone. He was really bad. Um, I wonder if he gets another contract in the NBA. Did not look like this year he deserved it for like the ninth year in a row. A Sixers backup center ends their career on the Sixers. On the Sixers. Can I ask you something though? I I I hesitate to mention this though. The deal he opted out of was slightly less than the vet minimum of this year. Uh huh. Mike, what will your reaction no. be? No. If he just no. opted out so they could re-sign him for the new vet minimum. No. I'm 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 just presenting it. I'm not saying I, I have any information. I'm not saying I think it's likely. I just I wouldn't I feel like I would be being irresponsible if I didn't bring it up. No. <laughs> no. They don't have enough money to play footsie with this and to be like, Hey, you want to opt out of this one? Great. Don't worry. We'll give you even more. I would rather carry 14 play. I'd rather carry eight players on the roster than give another year to Montrose Harrell. Let him get doc can give him some of his salary. They can play golf together. They can get high as hell together. That sounds great. I feel like doc Needs some calm down, my guy. Explore the wonders of the universe a little bit. Mm. Maybe a little too high strung. Yeah, my friend. Maybe the weed will help. Whatever makes him limp. He looks like he's got like hip or knee problems or something. Doc does. I'm sure the weed will make him feel better, ease the pain a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. No, to, no to no to Montrez doing that coming back i no i can't do it i can't deal with that L- allow me to have one happy day spike okay i'm sorry so uh before we get to a quick hardened thing 
do you, so Brad Beal went to Phoenix. Essentially, he could go wherever he wanted to go because he had a full no trade clause and he wanted to go to Phoenix, clearly. Do you, I'm just, just asking, because we don't even know if the Sixers were interested at this point. We Reports do know were that they weren't. What's that? Reports were that they were Reports not. Reports were that they weren't, but who knows? You know, let's say that they weren't, but, but I don't know, maybe two years ago, we, we do know, we don't know for sure, but I think we pretty much know that they were talking to Washington about trading Ben Simmons for Brad Beal. And then Brad Beal opted for that wrist surgery or whatever, and they didn't trade for him. Then this happens and he wants to go to Phoenix. All we heard was that he and Embiid were close. Is it any, is there any worry at all that he like, seems like specifically chose twice to not come play with Embiid or no, because maybe it's just once. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the, the, he chose against at least of people who wanted him, like no, every other team in the league. Yeah. Although maybe there were only like three or four teams that actually would have made an offer to even assume that contract on. Um, And the Sixers might not have been one of them. I think the deal was like, I'm going to play for this horrible team. I'm going to paint them into a corner. So they give me not just a horrendous contract, but a horrendous contract with a no trade clause, despite the fact that I'm like the 32nd best team in the best player in the league. Brad Beal, 32? Eh, somewhere around At this there. point? Yeah. Give or take? Yeah. Um, and then I'm going to get to choose where I want to go, and they'll have to trade me there. And that's what happened. So I don't think that him not getting traded to the Sixers then says anything about Embiid in any really way. So the hard... But at least Landry Shamit gets tra- traded once again. Yes. In every major trade, Landry <laughs> Shannon must Shaman. go somewhere else. Yeah. So uh, per Mark Stein, Harden to Philly, more likely. Also per Kyle Newbeck, Harden returning to the Sixers on a team-friendly deal remains the focus of Philadelphia's offseason. And it looks increasingly likely that they may not that they may be able to make that happen. The Houston Rockets are Harden's biggest suitor outside of Philadelphia but the indication is they w- are not willing to go over the top with years or dollars to sign him specifically. Sources told Philly Voice that Rockets, own its, Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta wants to establish a more solid culture along the arrival, alongside the arrival of head coach Ime, Ime Udoka and Houston has shown interest in free agents Fred Van Vliet, Brooke Lopez, and Dylan Brooks, among others. Let me present this to you as I continue to lay down my no James Harden under any cost mandate. Let me present these facts to you. Fact number one, James Harden has had soft tissue injuries that have limited him in each of the last four seasons. Fact number two, he leaked in the offseason that he, who held the ball more than any player in the NBA, wants the offense to revolve more around him. Number three, he quit in consecutive playoff deciding games against Miami and Boston. And the newest thing that we didn't know before, literally nobody else in the entire NBA wants him. Houston doesn't want him. Phoenix didn't want him. Nobody wants him. There's no rumors about anybody wanting James Harden. 
How in the world is this the Sixers' best option? I feel like I'm going crazy here, Mike. I don't mean to be a bummer. I don't mean to do this every time, but it feels crazy to me. Nobody else wants him. Even Houston is like, well, we we really want a good culture around here. Yeah, I I mean, I think that's that's why. What is going on here? He's not going to get signed for like any sort of long term max, right? I guess because there's not other options. I think it's it might get uncomfortable, or might it might be uncomfortable now. But I think, especially because of the relationship that Daryl and James clearly have. But if the Sixers are of the opinion that it's better for them to have something in hand rather than nothing if Harden walks out the door and Harden has no other options or if he goes to Houston, it's like a small deal, whether it's long-term and sh- and small or, you know, one big expensive year, um, then they kind of just like need each other a little bit. And so I think it'll get c- uncomfortable in a sense of Harden values himself at, to a certain point and the marketplace around the league is not, you know, reflecting that. So if, if, you know, it's weird to me, you tell me what you think, but it's weird to me that Harden is, he uh, declined his option for 37 million, 37 million. And now there's not talk of anything outside of those two teams basically having a we want him less off um so i don't know i to me if i was Harden, i would have been like i better for sure know that somebody's going to sign me for at least 37 million before i decline that option that was on the table um but maybe it's more of a year's thing or a, another one plus one or something like that so that's my guess is that it's a one plus one or maybe a two plus one uh yeah, I don't know. There's the the I think draft is now. Obviously, draft is tomorrow. So, if things everyone's focused on the draft right now, once that's over, it becomes like heavy free agency stuff, although there's been some trade stuff starting to leak out. We can talk about the Porzingis thing. Um but I think once the draft and things are go away and all the draft trades are done, then maybe some new teams surface and materialize. But yeah, I mean, the Sixers sh- certainly shouldn't feel like they have to give him a great offer. You know? Who are they bidding against? No offer at all. They're not bidding against anybody, but that's another reason why they shouldn't be bidding at all. It's, it's it, is, it is strange. I mean, he is... Maybe just because everyone's still talking about the like $35, $40 million, whatever number. And because he declined a $37 million option, he's feeling like the word, the feeling around the league is, well, of course it's, we're not going to want him at that level. Yeah. Um, But I, he was still during the regular season, an excellent player. He did win the Sixers two playoff games by himself, basically. Um, It is, he's one of the, you know, best offensive players of all time. It's interesting that like the book, you know, the narrative on him has been this way for a while, but it does feel like, man, 
everybody is is off of it. Yeah, everybody's off of it. So I don't. Know. It's it's gonna it's it's interesting, and I, and you start to wonder like, well, if the Sixers offer like, hey, you want years, you want stability, like we'll give you like three eighty. Like, I would. That's be, a low number, man. It sure is. But and and he can only do the okay. I'll try next year for a big contract thing. So many times he's like out yeah. of those. Though that's not coming. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him or his mentality enough to feel one way or the other. Like he feels disrespected. So he's going to do X. Right. Which hopefully X means like play really hard wow. and move Let's off the ball and all, all that Let's stuff, get in great walk. shape, like Let's work on his touch crazy. in the off season, whatever it is, like any of that stuff. Um, but it feels more likely to me pessimistic about the James Harden situation moving forward that the most likely thing is, He'll be he's pissed off by here. this and he tries even less yeah. with the Sixers if he comes back well, that would because be he feels challenge. disrespected. He takes their money and says, fuck, fuck all you guys, which I, I on the one hand respect <laughs> uh, because I would do that. Uh, but on the other hand, like not the best situation for uh, sustained success. I just imagine him watching game seven and him going, they ain't seen nothing yet. DraftKings yeah. Sportsbook is official presenting sponsor of the Right Streaky Sanchez podcast. Now, you can bet futures for the NBA now, but NBA betting for the season is over. So it is baseball time. That's right. Betting a little bit of baseball. You a baseball better ever, Mike? You do a little uh, baseball betting? I threw a couple futures uh, bets in with DraftKings when I was in uh, at my sister's in Phoenix. Right now. Texas Rangers. Oh, there you go. Uh, I think it was AL. I think I put him in for the AL and then the Mariners who have gotten worse. Right now, new customers bet just five bucks to score 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. Also, stepped up same game parlays. Fucking take care of this with the stepped up same game parlay. Open up the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. It's top rated. Download it now. Open it up. Opt in to the stepped up same game parlay. Place your parlay bet. You have to combine three or more bets from the same game for the stepped up same game parlay. And every additional leg gets you an extra boost up to 100%. They're not fucking around. That's their new catchphrase. We are not fucking around. Step up to the plate now with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app and sign up with code RTRS. New customers can bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code RTRS. Got to be 21. See show notes for details. We did get a couple of Harden-related uh, voicemails. 833-LICKFACE is the number. Mike, Mike, CJ. Mike, happy Father's Day. I uh, just got back from a ride from Jersey back to PA and saw the Beal trade went down. Guys, I need to borrow your platform. Daryl, hey, Daryl, please, please listen to me. I may be one of those fans that does not know data and doesn't understand you know anything about statistics, but I have one for you. Of any player in the playoffs that played at least 20 minutes a game, Joel was the third slowest with an average speed of 3.52. James was the slowest player of anyone in the playoffs that played a minimum of 20 minutes a game at 3.38 miles an hour. Listen, Daryl, it's not going to work. That's just, I was... All four, when you would not trade for him, did not give up Max to get him. Great. When you traded Ben for him, that was great. It's the free agent signings. You know, got rid of Ben in that trade. I, I, we just can't. 
do this right now. Statistically, it's not going to work. The eye test doesn't work. Great, great all-time player. Not a great 76er in the playoffs. So instead, why don't you trade him for Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, sign trade, or trade him to Chicago for DeRozan, or just let him walk and let Tyrese be the player that he's going to be. Big fan, but can't can't bring James back. And I think that is about it. Just we cannot bring James Harden back on the 76ers. I, I just, I can't. I can't wait for another five. Hey, Spike, Mike, CJ, and Daryl. It's uh, Mike again. Uh, let me clarify. When I was saying five, and then I got cut off, um, I wasn't suggesting that we're uh, that Sixers are going to sign Harden to a five-year deal. I don't even think that's possible because he'll be thirty-eight. And I was just saying I can't wait another five years to get over this fucking resign. If if you do it, Daryl, it'll really, really, really just kill us all. Slowly. Hey, Spike, Mike, CJ, and Daryl. It's uh, Mike again, third time calling this week because I call in threes. Uh, Mike, thank you for joining the B Ball Paul Tyrese Maxi Anti Trade Coalition. We're growing. Hey, Spike, Mike, CJ, and Daryl. It's Mike again. Uh, happy June 15th right now. Um, guys, I was going back, and you know, I know that we've been talking about Harden's game, the Sixers. So, I went all the way back to the 2018 season to look at uh, James and all important playoff games. And the, the game six against Miami, he only had four turnovers. That's the least turnovers that he's had in a big game since 2018. Actually, I think game two or three against the Lakers in the bubble, he only had two. He's had five or more turnovers in every big game since 2018 in the playoffs. So like close out series to find series turning, or elimination game. I think he had nine one game versus the the Warriors, and then I think it was nineteen. But it, it's I sent Mike a message. We just can't bring this guy back because he's just going to cough the ball over. Mike, any comment on Mike's several calls? Seems like uh, seems like we we covered it. <laughs> Uh, Kyle also reported that Shake Milton is the least likely of the Sixers free agents to return. Paul Reed, Jalen McDaniels, George Niang, the other ones. McDaniels and Niang are in a wait and see bucket with both players generating interest from other teams while still possessing some playoff adjacent, adjacent flaws that could keep their final contract numbers in check. While Paul Reed seems relatively likely to stay unless a team emerges willing willing to give him a true starters role and has been spotted in the Sixers practice facility working out in recent weeks. So I would love if Paul Reed got a starting job somewhere. That would be very great for him, but I'm, I'd be happy for him to come back. Yeah, I mean, the shake stuff has seemed pretty obvious. We were talking about it all yeah. season. Like, he's the least likely to come back unless, for whatever reason, Harden doesn't and they don't replace Harden with another guard. Then Shake could pencil in his, like, combo guard off-ball off type stuff. Um yeah, and we'll see with the other guys. It'd be nice if they kept all three of those guys. I wouldn't mind from New Blood in there if someone gets too expensive. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't want to overpay any three of those guys. Um, so we'll see what the situation is. But there's also a Keith Pompey article that oh, just no. broke a couple minutes ago uh -oh. um, where it kind of doesn't really say anything for a while. talks about the draft and that Daryl likes to trade during the draft. And then there's a little nugget 
from Keith, uh, the Pistons, the Cavs, and the Pacers have made inquiries about Tobias's availability. Hmm. Um, but the Sixers will only make a deal that would be hard to pass up, which is interesting phrasing. Uh, <laughs> As a result, teams around the league believe the Sixers are overvaluing Harris and asking for, quote, outrageous packages in return. Um, and Kyle's article said the same, similar thing about not expecting a Tobias trade to happen on draft night. Um, they won't hmm. just trade him, trade him, they'll trade him. If, if what was they, that verbiage again from Keith? Let me see. <laughs> let me see. Uh, another source said the Sixers will only make a deal that would be hard to pass up. Oh, I was trying to play the uh, the, oh, the alarms. <laughs> yeah, we love the alarms. Yeah. Um, uh, so well, yeah, so the Tobias. I mean, I, you start to you think about like Detroit is interesting. He's been Tobias has been there before. I wonder what a trade there would look like. Indiana makes some sense in that Buddy Heald, TJ, Dan Tice trade that I proposed earlier this offseason. Cleveland is compelling. I don't think that they have anything to trade uh, to the Sixers unless they decide uh, to do a three-way deal where, where like Jared Allen goes somewhere else and the Sixers get something back. Um, and Tobias lies to the four there. But um, it's, it'll be interesting. <laughs> it's interesting to hear some names of teams, even if they're made up, of, uh, of teams <laughs> that could be interested in Tobias. Can I, before we get to the draft, so Mike gave me... I don't have a full big board this year. I'm sorry. I just did not have the time and the Sixers don't even have draft pay. But Mike gave me a bunch of guys to do YouTube scouting on and I'm going to, we're going to go over those guys, Mike's guys, in case the Sixers were to get a pick somewhere between 25 and 40. That was the range you gave, right? Yeah, and there's been reporting that the Sixers are trying to buy. Jake Fisher said it, Newbeck said it, we've been hearing about it. Like the Sixers are trying to buy. I think there was verbiage that the six. Josh Harris has given Daryl permission to buy a second round pick. So which I liked hearing. I like we will get to that. that in a second. Can I can I just bring up one maxi thing to you as I was thinking about it? I'm thinking about the Miami situation in which, you know, they're talking about trading for stars and everybody can't figure out what the value of Tyler Hero is now that he has signed that contract. It's not a crazy contract, but it's as much as they could have signed him for, you know, 30 something million. And he did have a bad year, so it changes it as well. But a couple weeks ago, you were talking about Tobias Harris is expiring for Jordan Poole, who was very highly valued until he signed that big contract. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, as much as I love Tyrese Maxey, I continue to look at him and not be able to figure out the reality of who he is as a really good player. Like he's a good player now, but he doesn't seem like a point guard to me. He's still kind of small. She's not a two guard, yada, yada, yada. Is there any thought? I know you put the no trade on maxi rule down, but is there any thought that right now, especially if you're re-signing Harden, that like his value, Maxi's value will never be higher than it is right now. Honestly, even the fact that he has the contract coming up may even hurt it a little bit. I don't know. I, I get worried about Maxi on that 
contract because I still can't figure out who he is when he's a ceiling. Like I can't find a real comp. I know you had brought Lillard up before, but I just do not think he's anything like, I, I understand the comp, but I, yeah, I mean, that's obviously like the very, 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 very crazy yeah. high end version of it. But you look at the Maxi's numbers at his age and Dame's and Jamal Murray's and it, it looks good. Like things, sure. he is extremely, uh, efficient and effective as a scorer at, at, at his age and, has improved as a defender um and would love to see him continue improving as a ball handler i i think if harden comes back and daryl believes in it and goes like we're going we're going back to the harden thing and we're going to have like more guys that are athletic more guys that can um can play both ways harden is going to be the worst defender on the court everybody else is going to be like big and strong and fast um and jumpy like I see there it's just because of how upsetting the Sixers are to me generally Tyrese Maxey is not an upsetting part of them it's quite the opposite actually. and so like the idea of of going like hey all these other guys that make you upset that have proven to be ineffective at various levels over the course of their long career you're going to go all in on those guys and you're going to trade the other guy who could continue to get better as he's gotten better at a crazy clip um in the few years he's been in the league. Um, and that feels upsetting to me. So, but I hear you about the, like, there's a long history of those kinds of contract where it's like rookie deal, scoring fun, expectations low. This person's great. What a, what an asset this person, this player is and will be for years to come signs a big contract. All of a sudden seen as a negative seen as not, not living up to the contract seen as not, not improving expectations yada yada um i i i see it in some sense and i I especially see it if if harden is coming back i especially see it in that sense i i don't i would say i don't want to do it um i did start to get a little bit um handsy with the trade machine Mm. um (laughs) when some of the zion reports were coming out and thinking is it possible to get zion williamson on there, the Sixers, there it isn't. I saw MOC tweeting about this. It is. Yeah, he was texting me about it also. I you think guys there's are, a couple it, things stuff, but like he's Zion is just so good. He's unbelievably good. He's played such a small amount of games, and is going through whatever strange, uh, very public situation he's going through. Well, spit in your uh, mouth if you want him to now, which I would say is unrelated to basketball and doesn't necessarily make him like. <laughs> You know, there's worse, yeah. there's worse things that could be out about a, a guy. Um, he's really good. And to get him undervalued <laughs> is crazy. They're talking about him for like this other, Mike. other lesser players. And so it's, it's interesting. This I'm is the worst there, it would have trade to, season it, ever. It, it would have to, it would require something on that level to go like, okay, Harden, Melton, PJ Tucker, Zion, and Bead. Like that's imposing on a lot of levels for me. <laughs> they're not trading for Zion. No, they're not, but it's fun to think about. The, um, you, and it's fun to go like, well, here's Harden. Can't deliver in the playoffs. Here's Embiid, health issues, hasn't delivered enough in the playoffs. Here's Zion, laundry list of health issues, but still 22. Um, 
He's really very good. He, when he's playing, he's easily a top 10 player in the league. Um, they were the number one seed in the West when he was healthy. It's crazy how good they were and how much they fell off without him. And it seems like his teammates really don't want to fuck with him anymore. Um, but God, that's the kind of talent where you have to at least have a conversation as a front office and go sure. like, do we, do we want to, do we want to explore this possibly? Um, I would be very surprised if New Orleans traded him. And I think that, that would be silly on, on their part and, and pretty short-sighted. The, the reason I hate this rumor season more than any other, and I feel like it's gotten out of control, is that everyone get, becomes aggregation now because you don't even need to write a story. It just ends up as a tweet on the NBA Central. So, like, everyone gets aggr- aggregated. Like, this this is the... Spike Windhorse over here. No, I'm just serious. It The, the aggregators are coming for us. <laughs> no, I, I I'm just saying it's boring to me now. Like all well, of it's the, fun to speculate. I'm just saying for us, it's fun to speculate. Like if this guy's available, then like <laughs> what, Tobias what would Harris it and one draft pick. It's crazy. To, well, it'd be Tobias and Maxi, and <laughs> and that's probably it. I think I think you'd go if if they're like trying to get rid of him. I don't know that they're like just get him off our hands, obviously. But yeah, I think the point about the point about Maxi is interesting. Um, and if Harden comes back, then it becomes like you may as well go all in there and then once this fails everybody then mass just suicide. do the process six or seven times um and we'll all be dead anyway so it's it's uh, worth it's worth considering who would i mean who would you trade maxi for who are you if if, I, if you open that box i i guess i don't i never think about it that way i guess i i i always think about it where if you pitched it to me i could tell you i could tell you whether i would do it or not but it it's really there's so many players that that happens to. And by the way, I don't know how good Jordan Poole is. I know, like jokes aside, Tyler Hero is a good player. He definitely is. And uh, it's it's almost like he. You just got to be. I, I I guess what I'm saying is, I don't have any problem paying Tyrese Maxey because you're going to have to. But if you pay him. You have to be really, really sure you want to keep him because all of a sudden his trade value becomes like, like almost neutral. I know you said negative. I don't know if it's negative, but it becomes neutral. It doesn't become additive. I don't think in very many trades. No, I definitely don't think Maxi's trade value will ever. I think he's like, he's too good of a shooter. He's too hard of a worker. He's too like likable of a guy from a like coaching staff and teammate perspective. Sure, sure, sure. And I think that that matters uh, as far as like who wants to be around them um, and, and whether guys want to trade for him. So I, look, we'll I don't see. want to trade Maxi. I love Maxi. I love the idea of Embiid and Maxi growing together for a number of years. I would love that to happen if James Harden's not on the team. Um, but if, if we are resigning ourselves to fuck Harden's going to come back, then I would at least cons- go down the road of in my mind of like what, what you would get in a in a hardened in a maxi trade that makes more sense to really like maximize what a hardened Embiid one five can do for you. All right, we do prospects prospects next. Well, we should do a quick Porzingis well, thing too. Okay, well then let's do mortgage CS and then Porzingis because I forgot that that is actually happening. Mortgage CS talk about prospects. They've got all your prospects for a mortgage. <sighs> Look, I, I guess what I'm telling you about Mortgage CS is that we know them. 
a lot of times you Google, who do I get a mortgage from? You don't even know who these people are. There's big giant companies. They have these deals with banks. You don't know if they have your best interests at heart. Mortgage CS does. No Ben, no Alec, no they're local, know that they're independent. They're a mortgage broker. They go to the banks, they find you the best rate and they get it for you. And all the while they keep you informed and they educate you. You understand the process way better, way better after working with Mortgage CS. Go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. Mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. You can learn all about Mortgage CS there on the very cool microsite that they have. And if you don't want to go to the webpage, just call or text their CEO, Ben, at any time, literally right now. Right now, ask him what he thinks about the Celtics trading for Porzingis. 267-391-7425. That is 267-391-7425. That's a sell. And when I say any time, that is incredibly important because during that process of buying a home and getting a mortgage, you're going to have questions. You're going to need pre-qualification letters on a, a weekday night or a weekend morning. They are there for you the entire time. Every Ricky listener who has gone to Mortgage CS and worked with them has said the same thing amazing to work with, make you feel comfortable about the entire experience. I trust them. I give you my word. Guarantee it, whatever that means. I don't know what I guarantee, but I guarantee you'll be happy. MortgageCS.com slash Ricky or call or text Ben at 267-391-7425. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may, may apply. Company NMLS 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com slash Ricky for more information. It, now, the Porzingis deal is not done done, right? Or did it get done done? No, it seems close to done and little details keep getting leaked out. But the basic structure is Porzingis to Boston, mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon to the Clippers, Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, and the 30th pick in the draft to the Wizards who are essentially just saying... See you guys in four or five years. We don't even want really any of stuff for any of our guys. We just want to be rid of them and play DeLon Wright 47 minutes a game. So the thing about, so this has to be the first of a couple of moves for the Celtics, right? I mean, they, it it leaves them pretty thin at point, obviously, in in that I, I love Marcus Smart, but he's not even a real point guard. Well, neither's Brogdon. I think I I think it made sense. I think this trade makes sense for them and is probably a good trade for them. I will say Malcolm Brogdon shot ninety eight percent against the Sixers on threes, and so I'm happy that he's gone. And it feels like Embiid usually has a good time with Porzingis, and this sort of is a you know Porzingis is the shot blocking of Robert Williams. And the shooting, and probably better, certainly better shooting than than Al Horford. Um, And I think Gallinari also had to go out in that trade, who never played for the Celtics, just got hurt and then got traded, Um, and gives them some of that. So I I think they'll probably play two of those big three big guys together at a time: Porzingis, Horford, Rob Williams, um, and then allow Jalen and Jason. And smart and Derek White to to run point. Um, they might trade Peyton Pritchard. Maybe they think he has a role next season. Who knows? But I think it makes sense for them. Porzingis did have a good season on a team that didn't matter, but did have a good season. He did win a championship this year for my team in Execs Fantasy Basketball League. Me over John, as you'll recall. 
I'm still not um, buying it with Porzingis. I'm not buying it. No, I think that's fair. He did play better, and he's definitely better now than he was in Dallas and mm-hmm. looked bad in Dallas. But um, he's really stiff. He can be covered by a smaller guy because he doesn't have much in the way of post moves that don't result in him taking a fadeaway. Um, he's a good shot blocker, really good shot blocker, and affects a lot of shots, but I'm not worried about Embiid not being able to move him. Um, and I think he does have some loser energy for sure. So I think it's a, it's a good trade for Boston in the sense that I think they upgraded a spot for a guy that is occasionally only rarely healthy and how good Derek white is and Marcus Smart seemingly will be under a undervalued contract there for seven years again. Um, I think it's a pretty good trade for him in a way that annoys me, but I'm also happy to not face uh, Brogdon again. You would have to think either Rob Williams or Horford gets traded, right? No, I don't think that. I think they're going to play two of those three guys at all times. But it didn't seem like what's his fuck like doing that. Um, the coach, uh, the guy Missoula, yeah, maybe Missoula. maybe they trade Rob Williams. Yeah, it seems like Tatum really wanted to play. That's a, the reports after the fact are he wanted to play with them. I, I, certainly against the Sixers, I don't think this was the reason that they won, but certainly once Rob Williams was on the court, not covering Embiid, and could just roam almost in a Giannis type of way as a free safety covering PJ Tucker or somebody that is not a threat um, that gunked up things for the Sixers. And so if they have another one of those guys in Porzingis that can protect the rim while Robert Williams is doing something else or Horford, same thing um, that just gives them more optionality. Williams also hurt a lot. So, you know, so is Porzingis, but um unknown what the Missoula piece of this is as far as playing those guys together. But my assumption is that they like having two of those three guys. Maybe this is in a world where Grant Williams doesn't come back. Um, and they just have that as their like rotating front court options. So draft time, let's do it. I gave you 10, I gave you 11 names. Yep. The Sixers <laughs> do I, not. I did most have of them. a pick. I did not look at, you told me I didn't have to do Jalen Wilson, right? Uh, I said if you needed to, if you didn't have time to do it. I didn't. Lo- I forgot Jalen Wilson. I did not look at Jalen Wilson. I, I looked at everybody else though. That's fine. Okay. So do you, how do you want to do this? I gave you eleven names. Do you want to go in order of those names, which were just sort of thrown together, or do you yeah. want to rank them yourself? I didn't rank them. Okay. So why fine. don't we go in the order that you gave me? I'll tell you what I think, and then you can tell everybody what the real thing is. I think that's probably better, right? Okay. First guy on the list is Colby Jones, who's a wing from Xavier. All these guys, I should say, are almost all of them are older, have played multiple seasons in college so that they are ready to step in right away into a role player situation in the NBA. That's what I focused on. It's what the Sixers are likely focused on, although I wouldn't rule it out. Um, so, yeah, so first starting Colby Jones, who's a wing on Xavier. Colby Jones, I kind of liked. He seemed like kind of a crafty ball handler, almost like if Shake Milton was what you would think that Shake Milton should be, but actually isn't. Seemed to find spots, seemed to be able to get to the rim. And I couldn't tell, (laughs) this is a very strange observation. I couldn't tell whether his shot has a little hitch in it or it's just incredibly technically sound. So it looks like it has a hitch in it, but I liked him. Yeah, he's 
good. He's for sure good. He's been sort of a late riser. He's 21 years old. He's 6'5 with a 6'8 wingspan. Um, he got better each year at Xavier. Uh, he shot 38% from three last season. Um, he's versatile, sort of like a do everything, high IQ, cuts and passes well, defends multiple positions. I like guys that know their weaknesses and don't try to do too much. Um, I think he's just one of the guys that's going to find a way to contribute to a good team as a good player, like good role player. Like he's tough, he's sturdy, he has a high motor. He's going to be a good guard rebounder, kind of like a like a less explosive Josh Hart maybe. Um, the kind of like Bruce Brownie, um, the like, you know, I looked at him and was like, okay, is this guy Derek White, right? And the problem with Derek the with Derek White types in college and Bruce Brown types in college is that both of those guys were ball dominant in college. They were like number one options for Derek White on Colorado, for Bruce Brown on Miami. Um, Josh Hart was always a role player, even at Nova. Um, but they were ball dominant in college. Kobe White, Kobe Jones is playing the NBA role that those guys have in the NBA, but he's doing it in college, like as a connector, a secondary ball handler type. So I, I wonder... Do you do you go get the guy? This is sort of going to repeat itself in all in all of these guys. Do you, would you prefer to have the guy who was a role player in college and did the role player stuff well, or do you, would you rather have a guy who was more of a number one option on their team in college and who's going to have to sort of downgrade himself to just be, you know, the Martin twins both did that. They were number one options at like NC State in Nevada, and now they're like really good role players especially the one in Miami um, because they can, they, they're capable of doing that stuff and occasionally doing more stuff because they were the number one option on the college team. So it, it's, it's interesting. Um, I like him. I think the shot is fine. He's gonna have to keep working on it to becoming more of a confident vo- volume shooter, but he's one of the guys on this list that's going to have to prove it and risk being left open for a little bit. Um, could he's craft he's pretty crafty and finishes better than you would expect for somebody that profiles more in a role like D'Anthony Melton. Uh, but I like him for sure. I definitely like Colby Jones. It's funny you bring up Bruce Brown and Josh Hart. Like sometimes when you're watching now, Bruce Brown handled the ball a, a little bit more with a, a lot more, but still not a lot, lot with Denver, Josh Hart, but watching these guys in the NBA, it's almost like their college career was like a mirage. Like you look at Josh Hart and he just seems like this grindy wing guy. Mm-hmm. And in college, you just saw, like I saw a guard in college, you know, or an actual guard. It's just funny you bring those guys out because if you watch them in the NBA, you would really have no idea what they were like in college. It just seems like unfathomable what they were like in college. Well, especially Bruce Brown, because he was literally a point guard. Right. At Miami. Yeah. And then went to, like, you know, eventually got to Brooklyn and became like a small screen and roll center. And then went to Denver and became like jackknife type of uh, havoc, cutting floaters, all that stuff. And so I think it's just like, are you athletic enough to hang in the NBA? Do you have a shot that people respect? Can you finish in ways um, that are crafty and somewhat unexpected. And I think Colby Jones, even though he's a little bit slow, a little, a little bit less athletic than some of those guys, I think he's for sure going to find a way he might not be available. He might be more in the twenties than in like the mid thirties. Um, but it's hard to know because really in most drafts, the like 22 to 40, you could just like shuffle them up and throw them out and they, they could all, they could all go in any sort of order in there. 
So next guy, Marcus Sasser. Yeah. So Marcus Sasser, guard, uh, played for some of my favorite teams in college basketball of recent years, the Houston Cougars. Uh, four seasons there, missed most of his junior year with a broken toe, so he came back. Um, he's like 6'2 with like a 6'7 wingspan, um, but but was but played point guard at, at Houston. What did you think of him? Well, he's like exactly the guy that I always like, actually. I think uh, he actually seems to me to be because I enjoyed watching him so much that he definitely won't be any good. Um, I, th- I think he had a, he has a, he's small. He has a great handle. He seems like, like, I, I really enjoyed watching him seem quick. Seems like a, like kind of explosive. I like him a lot, but I feel like I see these guys all the time on YouTube and they get to the NBA and it just like, it never seems to translate when I like them like this. Yeah. He's definitely a total dog. Um, had a lot of team success in college. He was really good every year. Houston was really good every year that he was there. As I said, six, seven wingspan, which is at least enough to hold the zone. And he really is a good defender as a point guard. Um, really profiles as a very positive backup point guard type. Um, he can shoot, he can defend, he can handle, he's quick, he's strong. He's going to battle. That's like Houston's whole thing under Kelvin Sampson is really just like competing defensively. He's like a very, you can watch him as a shooter and think like that looks a little bit like Tyrese Maxey in the sense that he wears number zero and he's around the same size and can pull up off the dribble from deep and quick and gets a lot of lift on it. I was going to mention Maxey, but he's got so much, I think he's got a way better handle than Maxey does. uh, Yeah, he's not as fast. Yeah. I would say it's probably tighter. So he like needs to use it to get by people a little bit more. Uh Um. But yeah, his he can get to his spots if you go into the screen. He's he's not as he he says similar like you know he's not Trey Young uh, Trey Young um, with how like distrib- distributing distributing and like uh, faking guys out and all that stuff. He's he's pretty like a little bit north south um, as a as a ball handler. Even though I do think maybe he's a little bit better than Maxi, although they're about the same age. Um, yeah, he shot 46% on catch and shoot threes this year. I think you could play both Maxi and Sasser at the same time occasionally because of how good they both can handle. They both can like work off ball. Um, and because I believe in Sasser as like a good defend defender at that at that level, I think he'll fi- figure it out. He doesn't have as much impressive finishes around the rim. That's where Maxi really steps up over him, is that um Maxi was such a good finisher despite his size and can just find ways to do it. I think that there's like a, they're not similar playing style, but maybe Javon Carter, as far as what his role is in the NBA, maybe there's some like lightning in a bottle in like a Emmanuel quickly type of way. He's a classic like three and D guard that I also really like. And, and also the other thing to consider in this draft after Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson, and depending on how you feel about some guys like Anthony Black or Jalen Hood-Shafino's like lead guard ability, it's a pretty light draft for point guards. So there's a chance that some team who needs a lead guard like just scoops him up and goes like he's going to be our, you know, Tyus Jones or something like that um, to fill a need. Uh, I'm excited to see where he goes. I really like him a lot. The fact that he can shoot and he can defend um, and he has like juice and burst, I, I really like, but is not his, you know, there's no superstar ceiling there because of 
he's not that good of a finisher, not so athletic that he's like undeniable in that in that way. But I would I would like him here as a backup point guard for sure. Jamie Jaquez, Jaime Hawkes, Jaime Hawkes. Well, that's fair of me. I didn't know Jaime Hawkes. Sure. Yeah. sure. Uh, he's a wing oh. from UCLA. Played four years there. Played in a lot, of, a ton of big games. Um, yeah, go for it. Hard pass. He's wing o- wing Okafor. Too slow. <laughs> Get him out of my face. Wing, wing Okafor. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> since I emailed you this list, he got invited to the green room at the draft. Oh God! Uh, because of how much he is crushing it in workouts. So talking about him is a little bit pointless. But he's uh-huh. an absolute dog. Um, extremely tough. High leadership qualities. He's like 6'6". He played up more at UCLA, a little more four. I think where you're talking about is like, man, a lot of his highlights are like him pivoting in the post yeah. and like working from the elbow. And Mick, Mick Cronin's offense at UCLA was just sort of not modern, didn't have enough spacing and stuff. So it 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 took a lot of like pivoty, footworky mid-range stuff. And he made him sort of like his college role was more like Kawhi in that Raptors Sixers series than it really should be in any way i would say he has some pj tucker to him the knock was the athleticism in in like coming into coming into the draft time but his athleticism actually jumping wise tested very high way higher than you would expect based on how he plays so maybe there's more to unlock in game um i think the he's just going to be an nba player like he's he tries his ass off he's strong he is athletic enough the shot is a little bit slow um and so I'm excited to see what his game looks like when there's actually better spacing and if he can be a, a competent shooter there. But really, I just believe in guys who know the game, have a high motor, and their shot looks like doesn't, it doesn't need like a full rework. Um, he might be a little slow laterally, maybe like more two through four defender. Um, and I could see him being switched onto centers in some small ball situations and he rotates well. Um, he seems to be in the right place at the right time, which will help in a Nick Nurse defense. Um, but I now don't think he'll be there. It seems like he might go in like the late teens if if he's getting the green room invite. Trace Jackson Davis is next. Yeah, the only big, the only like true big on this list that I gave you. He played four years at Indiana. He is uh, he, he's small for a center, but he's a center. What do you think? So this is what I had for Trace Jackson Davis. He's Dale Davis's kid. Just saying. So you know. He runs weird with his head sort of straight up, like his neck is stuck in that position. Probably good because he looks fundamentally sound. We should draft him, let him go somewhere else, and then be good there. Yeah, I would say that in the event, if B-Ball leaves or gets paid too much money somewhere else, I would so happily take Trace Jackson Davis and let him be the backup center right away. I People that have listened to this podcast know like I hate drafting almost all centers unless they're like top two or like a few picks into the second round. I would just avoid taking centers across the board. But TJD is someone that I would take because he's really good at every single thing on a basketball court except shooting. Mm -hmm. Um, And even his free throw numbers, which are like high 60s, around 70, uh, are pretty solid for a big. And he's lefty. And I like I always like a big lefty like that. Um, He knows what he's not good at. He's not going to try to do a bunch of like ISO mid ranges the way that Bam for some reason does. But you can think of him like Bam, except um, less nimble, less I was say like, stiffer. Yeah, he's definitely stiffer than Bam for sure. I mean, Bam Bam's athleticism 
both like vertically and side to side is, is extremely unique. And that's why he's such a good defender. Um, but trace is really, he's a really effective rim running rim protection, big with crazy athleticism and good switchability, really good hands as a lob threat. He'll catch and dunk everything. We'll put dudes in the basket, like highlight real lefty dunks. Um, he's good out of the short roll. He can put the ball on the floor in small spaces and distribute. He raised his assist rate every year that he was at Indiana, got up to 24.8% as a senior, which is ridiculous for a center. Like he averaged as a senior, 21 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, three blocks. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's a crazy college line. Um, And yes, he was a senior for sure, playing against younger guys in the Big Ten and stuff, but he just produces. He plays really hard. He's going to be in the NBA for a decade. Um, I don't think you're going to trust him guarding like ones the way that you can switch Bam onto it and go like he's going to shut him down. But I think he could really like screen, roll, handle, pass, and lob. The concern, yeah, he's 6'9 with like a 7'1 wingspan. But I think in the NBA, the only centers that I wouldn't trust him to cover are like Embiid and Jokic. And like, who do you trust to cover those guys? Um, Plus, he's he's 23 and you're not really asking him to develop anymore. He's already this. So I I think he's going to be really good. If B-ball walks, I mean, I I would love to get a little bit, maybe more of a a 3-4 that can do some stuff and replace some guys. And but. He's really, really good, and I, I would be happy. I don't think he's going to go to the Sixers. I think that this is not a great use of resources, but if B-Ball walks, I would be fine replacing him with, with this guy. Before we get to the rest of the guys, Briggs Auction. Yeah. They just put up a new one, a new Discovery Auction. Did this go up today? I feel like I just missed this. A brand new Discovery Auction. This is a good one. So BriggsAuction.com, two Gs in Briggs Auction, or the Briggs Auction app in the App Store or Google Play Store where CJ gets his furnishings for his new home, the coffee table, where he gets his jackets that he wears out in the fall and the winter. CJ is fucking locked in with Briggs Auction. Briggs Auction, four-generation family-owned auction house in Delaware County. But the new auction is fucking sick because the categories that I like, I like art, I like collectibles. It is spot on with both of those. And there's a comic book section in this one. I'm not a comic book guy, but they are fun to look at. The art section is great. The collectible section has a ton of Batman stuff. Uh, CJ, I don't know if you saw this. The art section has these amazing blown up Rolling Stone covers. Um, Just a lot of good shit in this one. The great thing about Briggs Auction, one of a kind items, whether it's furniture, whether it's clothing, whether it's collectibles, whether it's vehicles, there's a vehicle on this one too. Um, you're just going to find one of a kind items. It is fun. They have auctions three times a month. You know, over the last several months, it's really been one a week and it's worth checking. Um, and for furniture, how cool is it to have something in one of your rooms that someone's not going to get at a pottery barn or, you know, or the pure one, something that is one of a kind. Again, briggsauction.com, briggsauction.com. Pick up very easy by appointment during the week or Saturday's open pickup. They'll even find a shipper for you if they want. And if you're downsizing, if you have a bunch of shit to get rid of, good stuff. I say shit in a loving way. Send an email to info at briggsauction.com. That is info at briggsauction.com. Briggs Auction. All right. The next one. Julian Strother. Yeah. So he played three seasons at Gonzaga. He's a wing. He hit one of the biggest shots in last year's tournament off a dribble handoff against UCLA from like 29 feet. It was a crazy shot. Um what do you think of him? 
So the only thing that makes me nervous is it looks like he can't dribble at all. And I just feel like I've seen so many players that can't dribble. But great range, quick release, good touch. He seemed like he had a bunch of floaters. Is he the guy who had a bunch of floaters in there? Yeah. yeah. We, we've had very limited floater players over the years. But Maxi. it's kind of a trick to have a floater guy who can't dribble. So when is he ever going to be in a position to shoot a floater? All that, uh, all that said, I did kind of like him. He could shoot from far away. He does have a quick release. Mm-hmm. It just makes me nervous that he can't dribble. But if he's going to be somebody that you get in the second round, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's the everybody's got something that they're working through at this point that you have to go like, okay, what can't they do at the college level? that you're not really going to care about at the NBA when they're when they're just a role player. Or in the case of like Jalil Okafor, what can they do at the college level that you don't give a shit about that, that isn't going to play in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Um, so Strother had a bigger role and a bigger responsibility each year. Um, he is not a ball handler. He's a, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. Like he's, a, he's Cam Johnson-y, like tall, quick-release shooter who can move off the ball um, he can tack off closeouts. He does have that funky looking runner, which he was really, really good on. Um, like he shot 56% on those kind of funky runners, which is really crazy to shoot at a high level basketball. Uh, he can't finish at the rim as well as you would like for a guy that big. He's pretty much just a two level scorer. Um, not a great defender, not such a high motor on that end, but he's big enough where he, he's going to, if he works at it and tries, he's still not going to be exploitable. Not really a good passer. He's like the guy's a shooter. He can shoot. He wants to shoot. He's big and he has pretty nice touch. So for a role player, like, you know, doesn't doesn't look like this in the court, but like role wise, bigger Isaiah Joe. He's gonna shoot. He's gonna run around. He's gonna hit big shots. That's that's what on you're some get other from. team. Probably on some other team. Ben Shepard. Yeah, Ben Shepard is a a really late riser. Uh, he's a wing out of Belmont, 6'6". He was uh, a point guard all through high school, had a late growth spurt. Um, so he's become a wing, and that became his. That's why his draft stock has grown over the last couple of years. Um, played, I think, three years at Belmont. Um, but he's, one, aside from all these, the only one out of all these other guys that I didn't watch extensively in college. So this was just a, a tape watch for me. What would you think of Ben Shepard? Ben Shepard. I wrote... It looks like he's a really good cutter. Is that mm-hmm. something you like about him? Totally. He, and did, now this is a difference between him and Strother, at least I thought watching, is it looked like he could shoot on the move really well. Um, and <laughs> I don't know how big he is, but I also wrote, looks pretty big. That's what yeah, I he's got. Yeah, six, six, six. Okay. Um, he's thin and he's not very athletic. Um but I, the way, you know, I look at, I like looking at two point percentage in college and going like what, you know, how often the th- three, three point percentage or so there's so much variance in there and there's not uh, always a ton of attempts and it's like, how often are they taking and, it's and making like successfully shots where they get like open looks, whereas yep. threes, you're just like, usually they're open or they're off the catch or whatever it is. And we can you know, you can dive more into it, but two point percentage, like to be a good NBA prospect, you should have a high two point percentage. And, uh, 
sophomore and junior season, he shot 62% on twos, which is really, really good. And that's when he was second fiddle to, to this guy, Nick Musinski, who, who played in the tournament a couple times. Um, when he was a senior, uh, his two-point percentage was down to 52% when he had more responsibility. Obviously, that's not going to be his, le- his level of responsibility in the NBA. Um, but he shot 42% from deep on six tries per game. He really moves well, like gets himself open a lot. Um, he's really clean as a catch-and-shoot threat. He's kind of slow release. He has to settle in before he lets it go. So he's not like an extremely gifted off the off movement shooter the way like JJ Redick or Jordan Hawkins is, who's also in this draft um, or Malik Beasley as an example. Um, but he has a knack for finding openings in the defense, getting a shot off. He's smart. Um, he is just not explosive enough to where I feel really good about him. Um, if he gets stronger, maybe he could finish, but you watch some of the times where he's not finishing. You watch some of the times where he's like caught in between and it seems like there's nothing he can really do. It's either he's got a wide open layup or dunk because he's outsmarted somebody or a wide open three because of that. Um, he can pass well. Uh, so he has good vision, good feel for the game. He'll always like make the right competent play. There's not a ton of frills to his game. Um, I think he'll probably be an NBA player, but I would say he's not one of like my guys, my guys, but He's a high IQ guy that shoots, so there's a place for that in the NBA for sure. Kobe Brown. Yeah. This is one of my guys, Spike. Here we, we've come to it. He is a wing out of Missouri, played four years there. Also, his name is Kobe, and he wears the number 24. I have... And, he, and he's 6'7", six, 6'8", six, 250. The 250 thing is funny. Yep. I have, he seems like he's a pretty sick passer mm-hmm. um, and a pretty sick, like there was one of the videos I watched at like two minutes of him throwing like these 70 yard outlet passes. Yep. Um, yep. Which, Good outlet pass which, guy for sure. Yeah. Aside from that, I was like, I don't know. He's fine. <laughs> so Kevin O'Connor guy. gave him a shades of David Roddy comp on the ringer draft oh, guide, which great. should not surprise you as to why I like him. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's the kind of psycho boat that Roddy is. And I consider Roddy to be more nimble at his size. Roddy's a couple inches smaller. Kobe is taller and longer. Um, and if you can tone down that 250 to like 235, maybe there's a little more lightness in those feet because you can tell on defense a little bit he, that he is carrying some heavy feet with those uh, with that big 250 frame. Um, he's kind of like if, if Shemi Ojale could shoot, but... Shemi did shoot 42% on five threes per game at SMU his senior year. Um, and so you go like, man, it's really hard to be a good NBA player. <laughs> like the numbers in college and the numbers in the G League don't always carry over. Um, Kobe shot 44% off the catch this year on high volume, which is obviously excellent and it looked good and he shot it with confidence. But the previous three years, he shot 24% combined. Um Watching the film, it feels more bankable to me than it did with Shemi. Um, but obviously, admitting, owning who I am, I am an optimist about guys like this. I have been burned by guys like this before. Um, but he's a super high character guy. He's a smart guy. He was SEC's Scholar Athlete of the Year. This You've been year. burned before, but it does look like Roddy is going to be a real player. Yeah, I, well, I was right about David Roddy, yeah. 100%, which feels yeah. good. But uh, he's, not, he's not the first. Roddy wasn't my first uh, big man uh, that I believe in. He's a really good rebounder for a wing. He's an outlet pass guy, as you said, uh, which I'd love to, for the Sixers to have more of. I think he profiles 
pretty cleanly as a four at the next level. Um, I could see him and PJ being like a very intriguingly sturdy small ball situation for Nick Nurse to go to um, and see him in some like Nick George Niang pick and pop type of deal. He's he's like a sum a sum of everything guy at his size and strength, I think is really, really valuable and unique. He can handle, he can pass, he can finish through contact, he can finish with finesse. He can either be the ball handler pick and roll or the roller. He can cut, he rebounds, he defends off ball, he get he generates stocks off ball. He can ro- rotate over to protect the rim some because he has seven one wingspan. And if you be- if you really believe in the shot improvement, which obviously teams in combine situations and private workouts are going to have to t- determine, he really really looked good as a shooter his senior year. Um, he's twenty. I mean, he's he's old. And the fun fact about him that I also love that ma- that makes him really really ultimately my guy in this draft class. He was born on January first, two thousand. He was born on Y2K, which I just think is awesome. (laughs) I think that's so cool. I really, really want Kobe Brown. I would love him if they got him at like 37 or something. Um, Yeah, he's awesome. He's great. It's it's hard to explain to people who are too young what Y2K was like. Yeah. But just as if you're listening to this and you're too young, everybody thought because they hadn't planned, people that designed like, electronics hadn't really planned for the years turning over. So there was this fear that everything was going to stop working at midnight, literally everything. We had everything in our studio at the time had to have a Y2K sticker, which meant they confirmed that everything was going to work correctly. Amazing. Even the microphones. The they did a lot of stuff. Know what date and it is? Yeah. People look back. I want to write a movie about Y two K because I do think it's hilarious. It's incredible. But people did stuff. Yep. Like to prevent worse things from happening. Like it yes. wouldn't. The world wouldn't have shut down. But something. Some more things would have gone wrong had like had they not engineers done and data scientists not like adjusted a bunch of stuff. And people go like, "Oh, that was a what a waste of time that was." But it was like, no, what they did was effective. And there weren't that many things that went wrong. There was a crazy thing like some president of a bank flew or I think of an or or maybe an airline, one or the other, to prove that they were confident in nothing bad happening. They were literally on a plane as it hit midnight at that point uh, to prove it like as a stunt. There's so many crazy stories from Y2K. I love it. It's going to be a big part of my life in some way someday. I don't know if I ever. Well, I'll tell the story another time, but. I ended up spending it in Harrisburg that that night. Interesting. Worst girl capital. Worst girlfriend in history. Just fucking awful, awful wow. person. Yeah. A story for a time when the Sixers are not <laughs> potentially making a second round pick, maybe. Uh, next Lundy. up is Seth Lundy, a wing from Penn State, played four years there after playing at Philadelphia's own Roman Catholic High School. All caps, I have too slow. That's oh, all I've got. Yeah. He's a little slow. I wouldn't say he's too small. I, I look, at, look at him as a Haywood Highsmithy mm. in the sense that he's tough. He hustles. He shoots. He has an NBA body. He keep it simple. I don't think that he's special, but if he finds the right situation, hits enough shot, I think he can be an NBA rotation player for a long time because of how hard is he, com- he competes one-on-one. Um, I think he can stick on your best wing offensive option. Like if, you know, a Tatum or Paul George big wing type of guy, less, less good against like a deer and Fox type. 
um, who could just blow by him because he doesn't have extreme lateral quickness. He's a little s- stiff, a little upright. Um, I think he could be a little Dylan Brooksy without the absurd behavior or the, or the absurd shock selection. His offensive role is really like he catches, he shoots, he cuts, and he gets high motor garbage. He's not going to do much with the ball in his hands, but at least he knows it. He took almost twice as many threes as twos his senior year. He's a catch and shoot guy. He's a broad wing, turned himself into a good one. Uh, 41% last season from three. He shot really, really well from the combine, which drew people's attention. He gets a lot of lift on his jumper. He shoots it high. I think there's a chance that he's a two-way guy next season. Um, but like he's a he's a guy who fucks and plays tough and hits shots. Like Miami or somebody, I would take 40 of these type of guys and maybe like six work out. And then they're in the NBA for a decade and you go like, why haven't we, why can't we find one of those guys? And it's like, cause he's got to throw a bunch of darts at the thing. And eventually somebody like figures out how to play NBA basketball and is capable of doing it. So I think, I think he'll, he's certainly has a possibility of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be thrilled with him at like 32, but like if they trade at like 44, absolutely. And then the last one I looked at was Amari Bailey. Okay. Amari Bailey is the youngest guy on this list. The only guy that didn't play like at least three years in college. He uh, came out after his freshman year at UCLA. He's a combo guard. He's 19 years old. Talk to me. I said, he looks like he might be good, but he's definitely not going to be good. I'm sorry. He will not be good forever. Uh, so he, he played high school he ball. He does look young, by the way. He does. He like I, I didn't know he was young, but he does look young. Yeah, for sure. So he played high school basketball on the Sierra Canyon team that also had BJ Boston and Zaire Williams and Scottie Pippen Jr. and Bronnie James and Cassius Stanley. Um, he plays harder on both ends than you'd expect for a freshman team from like a glamour high school who was mostly seen as an offensive stud. Um, six seven wingspan tries hard quick feet uses his hands pretty well uses length pretty well i think even though he has a thin frame like a like rodney hood thin frame um i think he should be able to be at least average defensively um he shot 39 percent from three and 62 percent at the rim and had a good amount of pull-up success to where you i think you i i could believe that there's a three-level scorer in here he needs to be a way more willing shooter off the catch. Um, he only took 1.8 threes per game, which I think partly is because UCLA ran a weirdly old school offense, um, but partly because he wasn't super comfortable doing it and he needs to get stronger like most freshmen do. And he's not an above the rim guy, which is my only weakness. He was a little more athletic than I'd feel more confident in him. Um, but yeah, as I said, weird spot in a bad spacing UCLA offense with, with Jaime Jaquez and also Tiger Campbell, who had the ball all the time. And he was maybe just trying to do too much when he got the ball, especially early on. Um, his turnovers were really high. He over dribbles a little bit. But like I look at it like you remember when Drew Holiday was playing behind Nick Collison at UCLA and he came out and was like, man, this guy's like he didn't really do much. I didn't like I didn't like Drew as a prospect because I didn't see him do that much at UCLA, but it was really like he's a He's pretty much a point guard, but had yeah. to pretend to be an off guard um, because Collison decided to stay an extra year. Whereas a guy like Jalen Hood Shafino, who who is probably going around like he went to Indiana, probably is going like, I don't know, 13 to 20. Um, he got he got to do everything in Indiana. He displayed he got to display the patience and a more versatile, mature game with better spacing. Um, but I don't think that 
he played quite as hard as Bailey played. I don't think he had to, maybe, maybe that was just the systems that they were in. And I don't think that he's that much better despite being considered maybe 20 spots higher. Um, Bailey looked really good at the combine as a distributor. And despite being one of the youngest guys there, he plays fast. He has some creative kind of craftiness. I'm really interested to see how it translates. He was the 10th ranked player coming into his class. Um, ahead of guys like Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore, Anthony Black, Grady Dick, and Jalen Hutchifino. Um, and all those guys are lottery guys. And Amari Bailey is probably like mid-30s, late-30s. Um, I He's the only guy... There's a bunch of decent younger guys that the Sixers could take a flyer on and try to develop and stuff. But like, I really think he's being undervalued after a year at in a, in a non-modern offense where a bunch of vets stayed. Um, I would definitely, he's going to take some development time, but I think that there's something like potentially special in here as he gets stronger and especially how confident he looked at the, at the combine. I think that there's something really good here. So I, I would be very intrigued if they took a Mari Bailey and, uh, and, and saw what they had with him, you know, probably not this year, but in, in the years to come. Those are all the guys I looked at. All right, the other couple of guys we I put on the list that didn't get to were Keontae Johnson, who was a wing in Kansas State, uh, who had like a really terrible heart condition that caused him to collapse on the court, and then he transferred from Florida to Kansas State. But he's like a power athlete. He, he's like now cleared uh, from that. Sort of like plays a little bit like a current KCP, forty five percent off the catch, uh, seven foot wingspan, power athlete. Uh, Sam Vecini didn't, didn't have him in his top 100 at all, which makes me suspicious that something is either up medically or personally, um, which is bizarre because he was he is seen as like a guy that should go in the 40s or something. Um, and then Jalen Wilson, who is a sort of do-everything guy at Kansas that uh, plays hard and can handle at his, at his size at 6'6", six, 6'8", six, 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 wingspan, pretty good, but he's just not athletic enough and the shot is not quite there. Um, and he only shot like 48% at the rim in the half court, which is pretty disqualifying for me. Um, I think he'll probably be an NBA player, but I, there's other guys with like a more elite skill that I'm intrigued by. Um, and then just a couple other list of guys that I'm intrigued by. That's it. Uh, Jordan Walsh, Arkansas, Jalen Clark at UCLA, Adam Flagler at Baylor. I would love on a two way Serge Abari Rice from Texas, I would love. One of the best pump I've ever seen. Of college players would you say? There's you, guys I'm not listing. Do like There's guys okay. I'm not listing, for sure. Okay. Uh, Landers Nolly at Cincinnati, who's transferred a bunch of times. Really, really good shooter. And Malachi Smith at Gonzaga, who I, I think uh, should have gotten a little more chance to, to do more there. It's a very interesting draft class. I would be surprised if the Sixers could cobble together anything to get into the top 20. But if they can buy a pick from some team that has four or five picks in the draft, which you just saw Indiana trade to Denver, um, you just saw them like just basically consolidate because they're like, we can't make all these picks. Memphis has a, has three picks in the draft. The Kings have three picks in the draft. Uh, just buy the Pacers one. still have four. The Blazers have three. The Spurs have three. The Hornets have five. Just buy one. Please, please just buy one. Josh Harris is investing in random sports I've never even heard of. He bought but Joe Gibbs somehow NASCAR team, right? Don't even know what that means. <laughs> just like buy a second round pick. 
I don't give a fuck how much it costs. Buy one for me personally and draft one of these guys or somebody else. And I'll convince themselves, convince myself that they will be good. There's a lot of interesting players. These guys are NBA players that it's a great draft class for them. I think if, if Amari Bailey went back to UCLA and decided uh, to come out next year, I think he'd be, a, he'd be drafted like 13 next year. There's some really, really good players that can fill in right away. Longest part of the year on the draft. I want to see it, man. I want to see it. Too many guys. You look at Miami and Denver. They have players where they're like, how do they get those guys? How do they get them? Who allows them to get them? And it's like they make fucking picks and they take a bunch of swings on undrafted guys that have upside like and a role. That's how they do it. They try. And I'm not saying the Sixers don't do that. Plenty of teams don't worse than the Sixers, but like we can take more swings. We can take more swings. And as a coaching staff, now that Doc is gone, we can cycle through more guys. We can cycle through to see who sticks and who's worth it. And we can try shit in the regular season. So now that Montrezl Harrell is gone, I have moved. I have, I have the Sixers roster right here on the screen. Montrezl Harrell has left the top 15 for now. He is now in gone as is Dwayne Dedman. Um, other guys still have free agent tags on them and stuff and what their contract terms are. I, there are spaces there. It, I want to see it. I want to see more guys work through and see who sticks and we can catch lightning in a bottle. I want it to happen. And it could happen in, in this draft class. So buy a fucking pick Josh. All right. Well, if nothing happens, we will talk to you on Saturday. I don't think Tobias is getting traded anytime soon. I don't don't get the sense that's happening. Well, but. it's interesting because the the potential of uh, the draft the league year turns over July first, so there yeah. are trades happening now because they you they're easier trade rules to get around now, and they will be you can basically take in less salary in a trade or a different percentage of salary in a trade after July 1st. And so teams that are trying to like shed salary and stuff are trying to do it now. And so, and Tobias is now both because he's a relatively good player uh, and he's on a big expiring contract. They could, someone might want to have a one year deal, one year expiring deal where you can match salary. So I'm excited to see, I'm excited Uh-oh. to see if that happens, but it, it, it might not, but there's trades available. There's, possibilities so many possibilities this time of year spike so yeah. many i'm excited to see it i'm we got the draft tomorrow you're not gonna we're gonna do a podcast me and zo if there's anything that happens anything that happens me and zo doing a podcast no spike cj you should make him do it himself see if see if i would pod, yeah <laughs> i would i absolutely would but i already asked zo and zo's excited he's clearing his schedule his kids are going to his going to their grandparents we got the draft baby it's fun there's hope, there's upside, there's wingspan. We love to see it, finally. Uh, Summer League on the horizon. Uh, yeah, we are. Summer League is on the horizon. Uh, we will talk to you <laughs> next. We'll talk to you this weekend, unless Mike and Zoe talk to you tomorrow night. There it is. All right. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know the rules. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I will fuck, 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 fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for plan B.